Put the fucking mic on. Mic is on. Listening to the end of the bench. Welcome to episode 66 of End of the Bench. On this episode, we'll discuss James Weissman versus the NCAA, more Chase Young news, and a new top four has been announced in the college football playoff. We'll discuss if we like it or not. I'm not quite happy with it. Is Fizdale on the hot seat? Liam's Liam's triggered. Liam's pissed. But you know what? I think it's okay to be upset. And the polo bear, Pete Alonzo, won the rookie of the year. We'll discuss his numbers and why it's so historic, but one voter didn't want to make it unanimous, so fuck that voter. But first, let's dive in to the Houston Astros scandal using electronics to cheat. So they had a camera in center field. This this story was uh, broke down and it came out from uh, Ken Rosendahl and Evan Drellick from the from the Athletic. They wrote this fantastic piece. Unfortunately, I couldn't read the piece because I don't have a subscription to the Athletic. Messed up. I only have a certain amount of things I can subscribe to, and I'm not trying to subscribe to everything. But another guy, Jeff Passan, who is just on the same level as Ken Rosendahl on a Buster only. Maybe Ken Rosendahl and Jeff Passan are on another level, like a Woj or a Schefter. Yeah. That I wrote his. I read his article on ESPN. So. To dive in and get just the basic gist of what was going on. So this story is about how the Houston Astros used a camera in center field to help them steal signs during the entire 2017 championship season. The entire run. Regular season, into postseason, World Series. So they used it. So they started and started starting in 2018 postseason, but more in the 2019 season, Major League Baseball tried their best to put in new rules so that something like this could never happen and try to clamp down on it. But, unfortunately, that did not really happen. So, this is a huge blow to Major League Baseball. And the Astros are in a situation now that they are looked as cheaters in in a a horrible way. Now, like, we always see individual guys getting busted for steroids, and they're cheating. And, like, you know, there's been times where A-Rod has gotten cheated Caught, caught cheating, taking steroids, and he helped a team like the Yankees move in and win the AL East and go deep into the playoffs being steroid out. So that is like one form of cheating where it, the whole team is using A-Rod to their advantage. Yep. But now this is an entire team has offensively has cheated. Now it's like a guilty of association is that these pitchers now involved in the cheating scandal because they're part of the team. Now they didn't have any you know, way of doing anything else. No, they, 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 I mean, we all we know is that the offense had this camera in center field relaying to the batter, relaying, sorry, they had a relaying to the dugout, the dugout which the dugout had a monitor, which in legit seconds of reply, uh, of receiving the information, they have the camera, they have the, the camera zoomed in on the catcher's crotch with the, getting the signs and then relaying it to the entire dugout and one guy's banging on a on a trash can they were was, whistling too they were whistling season. yeah 
and my thing just absolutely shut down on me. Um, no, I was actually back. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they would bang on this trash can really loud, showing and telling the hitter that it was a change-up off-speed pitch, and if they didn't bang, it was a fastball. It's a very easy thing to understand. A to B, very easy, and they they used it. There's video evidence from a game in the middle of the season in 2017. of I think Against toward, the White Sox. Especially towards the end of the season against the White Sox, Danny Farquhar on the mound versus Evan Gaddis. And you can clearly hear the banging on the off-speed pitches. Absolutely, the, you know it's it it's helped a little. It helped a lot that there wasn't a lot of people at the game, so there's a lot Easier less noise. Hear. Yeah, but you can clearly hear that there's a ton of noise coming from the dugout and the banging. There's more than one bang going at once, and he sits on the changeup, sits on the changeup, no no noise, fastball. He pulls it or he swings right through it, whatever. And then toward in the like towards the end of the at bat, Farquaz like he sets up to deliver the pitch. He steps off the mound and calls the catcher. I think it might have been Tyler Flowers, and he's like, "Look, dude, that they're picking up something." So what they did was is that they went second sign. They were in a mode where if there was a runner on second, usually if you're a runner on second, pitchers usually change their signs to the pitch that's being called is second sign. So they might do three, one, two, and one is fastball. Yeah. Or if it's you know three, two, one, two is a curveball, right? So they do second sign, and that's what they did. And he threw it off speed pitch. They didn't bang because they didn't see it. They thought it was a fastball first sign, mm-hmm. and Gaddis stri- end up striking out. Now there's other clips like Trevor Bowers posting clips, a clip an off speed pitch yep. that he threw to uh, Alex Bregman in the playoffs. And Bregman took him deep. There's new evidence coming out of the whistling. It's yeah. just really, really bad stuff here. Even beyond hitting, you, this goes into base running. If you're on first base, second base, and you know off-speed pitch is coming, that bag's yours as long as you get a good jump. Right. And, and it's a lot easier to get a good jump when you exactly. know when off-speed pitch is coming and you have that extra you know, millisecond or two exactly. to take off. So I, I, we'll talk about Mike Fires in a second, but I went into – detail on stat wise so the Astros can only do this at home they have the ability they have the camera in center field yep they can only do this at home so on the road they gotta just rely on themselves which every other major league ball club does yes so during the the Astros so the Astros won the World Series that year Altuve won the MVP that year yep so a guy I'll give him I'll give him a shout out here. Tyler Talk Sports at sports underscore talker one. Okay. He tweeted out this whole and he has a a thread here too of the Astros won the World Series in twenty seventeen. Look at the postseason splits for the following six players. I'm gonna tell you this split here from Jose Altuve. Absolutely unbelievable how horrible it is. Home and away splits. Okay. Hit me. At home during the postseason and the whole whole postseason, Altuve batted four seventy two, with an on base of five thirteen and a slugging of one point oh two eight, an on base of one point five four one, with seventeen hits, six homers, and twelve RBIs. Fucking destroyed pitching at yeah, home. Absolutely killed. Him. On the road, he batted a buck forty three. Ooh, that's what happens when you you know you're not getting that on base of percentage two sixty eight. That's over three hundred points lower. Slugging. 229. His slugging home was 1.028. On base, 
497. OPS, I'm sorry. OPS, 497. He had five hits, one home run, and two RBIs on the road during the entire postseason. Correa, the same thing. He batted 371 at home, 211 on the road. Two homers, four RBIs on the road, three and 10 on the road. I mean, at home. Bregman, 273 at home, away, a buck 54. McCann batted 300 at home, and on the road, he batted 037. Ridiculous. But that's I could, maybe because he just didn't play, in, I guess, in the, in the World Series. I don't know. That could be a Yeah, difference. maybe, but the other numbers. The only guy that was an exception is Gurriel. Gurriel batted 303 at home and 306 on the road. That's okay. the only exception. But that is just a clear indication that there is a – there, there is, is a, a look. How's it, Altuve? There shouldn't be that much of a drop off. No, not not going from four seventy one to in the ones. Yeah, no, definitely not. No. Now, I looked. Twenty seventeen regular season numbers as a team, right? Yep. At home, the Astros were third in the league in batting average at two seventy nine. Now the away. They lead the Ameri- They lead the net. They lead the entire league in batting average, two eighty four. So there's a. W- it's weird. So now they have a higher batting average on the road, but it's not that much higher. But it's if. But to be, be to be specific, it's higher. Okay. Now home. Now let's now let's dive into other statistics. They are tied for first with the Mets in twenty seventeen in home runs on the road, one hundred and twenty three. At home. The most home runs were the Yankees with 140, and the Astros were. Why can't I find them? I got them. Houston Astros were tied for ninth with 115, so it's more on the road. It's tough to. It's really tough to think about. I'll go to RBIs now. No, let's do run scored, which is the most important stat here. So, run scored. The leader was the Rockies that year at home with 488, which makes a lot of sense. They were Astros were tied for 13th, 395. Okay. On the road, they were first with 501. Wow. Okay. So it's a split. It's a, it is one depends side. On you're looking at stats wise, on, right. right? It's just still so suspect. That you have these statistics that are showing that, look, there's a significant drop-off here. The percentage stats show it, but, like, the basic, like, total number stats, like, really don't show it, which is crazy. Right, and, and if, say, like, you're the Astros and you have the, and you guys are lawyered up with the best lawyers you can, right? Yep. They're looking at these statistics. Say, look, there's no real drop-off, regular season numbers. But postseason numbers, there is a big drop-off. Yeah, so maybe... They messed around with it in the regular season a little, and then once postseason came, it just became full force. There, but there is there is things that are telling that they used in the postseason the entire year. They used it. Yeah. So it's it's a real it's a real issue. And look, I'll look up postseason stats if if it if it gives me it. So yeah, it's not giving me the entire thing here. Um, but look, we'll do like division series, Astros. Played in two games, batted three twenty five on the on the road. At home, they batted three forty three, so it's higher. Uh, league championship series, so they had four total games at home. Okay. 
against the Yankees. Yep. They batted two thirty eight. At home? At home. Okay. What was on, away? On the road. Had to be worse. Batted one twenty. Whew. Damn. So there is a there There's a home field advantage. There is a home field advantage. But in but the Astros will look like look, we we actually significantly scored more runs, had better batting average, and had more home runs on the road. Yeah. So there's it but that videotape of Danny Farquaugh saying that look, we heard this banging and then there's videotape of it really shows that there isn't a a dispute that like, yeah, look, we actually cheated. That, you guys actually cheated. It's like insurmountable evidence. Just like that like you could tell them tell me everything, everything that, you know, the Astros want people to hear. Right. And like just seeing that video, regardless, I'm gonna think like, all right, they still cheated. Like that was just so it's so obvious. Now I'm gonna add the kicker here. Okay. Michael Fires. Mike Fires, who pitched on the on the Astros championship team in twenty seventeen. Yep. Who now pitched with the Oakland A's, told the athletic and that he warned teams the last two years, his teammates, when he pitched for the Tigers and the A's, that the Astros hitters had used his video feed that was piped into a monitor in the dugout to the coach signs and relay to the hitters at the plate. He okay. said, look, guys, look for this. They're going to be doing it. I'm warning you now. Well, Fires actually came out and said that, look, this is this he's told the athletic exactly that, which... At first, my first instinct was to, uh, to react to this. What a snitch. Yeah, 100%. Rat. Why would you do that to your own guys? You know, at first I was thinking, look, maybe it's because he didn't get re-signed, didn't get a deal he wanted. You know, I mean, he thought he was worth more than he, than he you know. He pitched really well, you know. He was I, just pissed that the Astros let him go. Right. They didn't want to resign him. That's what I thought. But realistically, he quotes here, I just want the game to be clear cleared up a little bit because there are guys who are losing their jobs because they're going in and not knowing fire said in the story young guys getting hit around in the first couple of innings starting a game and then get sent down it's bs on on that end it's ruining jobs for younger guys the guys who knew uh who know are more prepared but most people don't that's why i told my team why had a we had a lot of young guys with Detroit in 2018 trying to make the, a name for themselves, and I wanted to help them out and say, and say, hey, this stuff really goes on. Just be prepared. So I, I actually agree with Fires here. I do and I don't. I agree telling your team, but, like, I, but I, you don't I don't have to come out and tell right, whatever. You don't, you don't have to rat like, on them. Like the, You made a relationship in 2017 with this team. Yeah. You guys won a title with them. Yeah. You know? But at the, at the same time, how much longer? I mean, we don't know if they 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 did it in 2018 and 2019. We don't know yet. I mean, after hearing the banging on the the, you know, the trash can and all the whistling this year, especially. Right. I I saw her. I watched I videos something. today. I watched videos today of the whistling. It. I I can I can see where fires is coming from. You have like the Detroit Tigers were so bad in 2018, and they were horrible this year. And the A's were really good this year, but you have guys that are getting the spot starts. You know, when they're when the starter gets hurt, guy gets called up for a day or or two or three days, or a reliever comes up for the week. You know, yeah, and see if he can make a name for themselves and continue to make this roster. 
they're getting they have to face the Astros, which is hard enough to face that lineup. Definitely. And now when they know when that fastball's coming or that changeup's coming, and they are getting shelled in the first inning, they up six runs in the first because they're 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 getting tipped off. It sucks. And then what happens to that guy is it's only his only chance. His only chance to do this. I mean, yeah, that sucks. It's fucking. You're, it sucks. No, I agree with I agree with Fires telling the younger guys like. To but think, you don't but want him to rap. That's what I mean. Like keep it keep it in house. Like you know, players and coaches and obviously know it might be going down. But like, I don't think you have to go and tell the athletic and blow it up this much. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do understand. And then on also on on his end, like if I'm his teammate, like I can't trust him. It's exact. But I, I'm thinking I, his his career is so tarnished now. Fires, you can't be you can't be trusted. I was playing ninth grade hockey and whatever, you know, locker boxing in the room. It goes down. Obviously, coaches don't like and shit. One kid told the coach. <gasps> For the rest of whatever I can remember, that kid was on the team. Like no one did any like you know did any shit around him or said anything bad because he's he, everyone knew like. He's a rat. Like you don't want to talk around him. He, he's gonna speak out, and you know. What about um, like like fucking uh, DeAndre Russell? Exactly. Rat. Yeah. Complete rat. Yeah. He can't be trusted. I know. Now it's been years. Yeah, it's been a while. I but... can still think guys are like, uh, I don't know. Right. That's, what, yeah. that's why you had to change teams, bro. That's what I mean. He, you just ruined your overall rep. Right. And fires is a vet. A couple no hitters. And also not even on his end, on other guys' ends. You mess with other guys' heads, like. Do I want to go into this locker room like knowing that like I can't be myself? Because I if I say like oh like oh like someone says like yo we're in a locker room with Mike Fires, I walk in and you say yo Liam what'd you do Saturday? I had a little risque of a night, a little something you know crazy. Yeah, went out, party a little bit. You did some stuff, might not be too proud of, but you're my boy. I'll tell you, right. Fires is right there. Why am I gonna say he might go rat on me? Right. Look, Fires, Fires' career is in jeopardy because. Look, that Oakland A's lineup, the Oakland A's team, very young squad. Yeah. Very young team, a little, and they got a lot of voices on that team. I can tell you right now, and that pitching staff, let alone, is very young. You have a lot of young prospects that are going to be in that rotation next year, and they're going to be wanting to go out on a weekend when they have a day off the next day. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's tough. It's tough. I mean, like exactly. If I'm a, if I'm a free agent and I want like, all right, I want to go to Oakland, but you got your boy Michael Fires over there, who is a loudmouth. It's he just he has no problem throwing people under the bus. It's like he held baseball and also ruined himself. Yes. So a statement from the Astros came out immediately after this, saying regarding the story posted by the Athletic earlier today, which was yesterday. The Astros, the Houston Astros organization has begun an investigation in cooperation with Major League Baseball. It said it would not be appropriate to comment further on the matter at all time at, at this time. And then Jeff Lunell, during the meetings that are going on now in Arizona, mm-hmm. it's like the worst possible time for this to happen. <laughs> you have all the GMs and owners. I think not all the owners, but all the GMs and like all executives, executives, yeah. and all the big name. Every reporter, baseball reporter oh, yeah. that's going on that's, that has a job in media. All reporters that have a job in media are there that cover baseball. Yep. And Luno had to talk to the press, saying, you know, he talked. I remember like Joel Sherman asked a couple questions, and I actually recorded like five minutes of Ken Rosenthal talking on MLB Network late last night. Um, and he went into like saying like, look, there's th- there's four people that have said something about this, but only one has come out. 
So if you're like the Astros, you got to cover your tracks now, right? Yeah. Oh, big time. There's three other mystery guys out there. You don't know what information they know, what they're going to give out. I mean, right off the top of my head, I can think of one guy who was on that roster. I'm almost positive. Like, I can look him up real quick. Is Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp, I'm almost positive, won that title with them. He did. Right? Pretty sure he stole a big bag against the Yankees. And honestly, like, I don't know how we would go back and find that. I guarantee that was off-speed pitch that he was tipped off on. So, yeah, he was he was with them. From game six or game seven, I think, of that series. But I don't know if he won. I don't know if he was on the playoff roster in 17. So he was called up. I feel like he would have. He's, he's, he's that kind of Dave Kemp Roberts. Did not make a part, did, oh, Kemp he didn't? did not participate in any playoff action, but he was still on the 40-man roster. And won his first championship title. Who am I thinking of? Them? Someone, one of their, you know, one of those fast guys that that was pin, classic pinch runner stole like a big bag on the Yanks and uh, game six or game seven, one of those two. But I mean, even a case like that, so yeah, right. Been, so so Kemp you know, is signs. a guy that played seventeen games, okay, in the, in, in the uh, on the major league roster, thirty nine at bats, he batted two sixteen. So that might be that might not be a guy, but it could be it a guy to. To talk to. He was there. Yeah. He has a loose enough relationship with the team because he didn't play like so, so much. He wasn't fully. You know. But he played the last two seasons. He played full 18. Oh, so the 18 and then two. And then he left He left in the middle of 19. Okay, so he might he might be a little more uh, for the boys than usual. I don't know. That would be. That would I'm going to look up this roster. Out. He's so with the Cubs right now, right? Yeah. So you have guys like Marwin Gonzalez. Ooh, not on the team anymore. On the Twins. Um, you have Beltron. Speaking of Beltron, I was going to bring this up. I completely forgot. He was on the 2017 World Series team, right? Correct. So in theory, he should not He should know that they're doing this? Yeah. Why would... And what was he in 2018? It's the special assistant to the freaking GM for the Yanks. Why would... Why wouldn't he... Why wouldn't he say anything? Sworn like, you think he would, right? Yeah, he sworn to secrecy, I guess. He was a starting DH. That's I mean, like, He was on the team. He knows they're cheating, and especially if they cheated in 2018. Like, he, he should have been the guy to tell someone, like, hey, you know, Astros do this. <laughs> Be ready. Cameron Mabin. <sighs> Ooh. Yep, he, he was a, he was a uh, second-half guy. That's what I mean. Honestly, I think a lot of people, a lot of players know about this. And it's just kind of like unwritten rules where, like, we're not going to talk about it. Like, we're going to keep everything in-house. Like, that's fine. Like, the opposite players know what's going on. Let's do our best to defend so against other it. other guys that are not on the roster anymore, like, look, we have Marvin Gonzalez. Yep. Beltron. Yep. McCann's not there anymore. Um, J.D. Davis with the Mets. You have Mabin, the Yankees now. Kemp's gone. Um, trying to read out other names off this team, hitters-wise. That's really it. And like Nori Aoki, who's who fucking was on this team, but he's not there anymore. Uh, I think Derek Fisher's still with them. I think. You see all the Dodgers fans. Oh, uh, Derek Fisher apologizing to you, Darvish. What's that? You see all the Dodgers fans apologizing to you, Darvish, on Twitter. No, because he got lit up in that World Series, right? <laughs> and they were like going for his head, and now they're all apologizing. He came out and was like, hey, "It's all right, I sucked anyway." Oh, that's funny. I mean, I, he's actually a good twi- good Twitter follower, but. You have a lot of guys on this roster who could who, have who could be the suspects of giving it up, right? Who could be the other three? Yeah, or we could be thinking, got to think outside the box. Could be former managers, 
maybe for, not managed former coaches or executives. Yeah, anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> hey, who was the bench coach in 2017 for them? <laughs> Alex Cora. Ooh, shit. Then the following year, he wins a World Series with the Red Sox. Now, I don't wow. think that means anything for him winning a World Series with the Red Sox. But he they beat a, the Astros, right? But he was on the bench coach, dude. He was a bench coach. Right, but they beat the Astros. Right. When they won the World Series. Yeah. So he had that knowledge, or in theory, he had that knowledge coming in. I know they're stealing signs. Let's double sign it. Let's switch it up. Let's, you know, do whatever. Right. That so, could have helped into him them winning. So he had, he had some knowledge, had to have some knowledge. Yes. So I'm sure he's getting asked about this stuff now. And uh, this isn't, you know, so in 2017 World Series, there was allegations of cheating by the Astros. And... It was so. So they played the Dodgers. Remember that we just mentioned that. So the Do- so the uh, opponents playing the Astros at Minute Maid Park were like, "Yo, let's actually like double down and like look at this stuff." And there was, I guess, a suspicion and an allegation in the World Series in 2019 before the World Series this year. Members of the Washington National Organization received warnings from other teams, uh, uh, others um, around the game to be aware of everything from flashing lights to whistling to persons relaying signs from the trains from the train up there that oh, wow. runs above left field that you know yo let's just be careful and then you know freaking Strasburg was tipping pitches and they and he still he was tipping him on his own yeah and he still ended up oh, on purpose it, to screw him up that would be awesome but it wasn't he was tipping him on accident oh though he said he was doing it on purpose I don't think so. I think he was doing it on an accident. Oh, with, and then he and then you know his pitching coach like, "Yo, you're tipping your pitches." I can see it from the dugout. I think I heard once he once Strasburg was told and he was aware that he was tipping him by mistake. I think he started tipping him on purpose, like tipping him wrong. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I, I don't know for certain. Pretty sure he said something about how he was holding the ball on his setup, and as he was going to his glove, he'd switch you know his fingers or whatever like moving his glove exactly right. moving his, or i think he kept shaking his glove the entire time or something like that so last night i'm watching svp and jeff Passon was on and he said that you know svp asked hey what's the penalty for this yeah and he's like look we're not going to see a college football or college basketball situation where they're going to be taking trophies away world championships are going to be yeah. taking wins away there could be an up to two million dollar fine or a compens- your your takeaway draft picks. Yep, is that enough for a penalty for what could be a true fact that they actually stole signs from using the camera in I, center field? I don't think it's enough of a penalty, but like what? Like, I think that's honestly as far as you can go. If that makes sense, like what else is the MLB going to do besides like find you some money and take away draft picks? Obviously, like you, they can dock you international uh, signing bonus money. But besides that, like, like you said, it's not the NCAA. Like, where do you where? But what I mean, like NCAA did a you know a number on Penn State, right? For the Sandusky stuff and paternal thing. That's true. But how crazy would that be? This MLB come out and vacate all their wins and their World Series. The hundred and one wins during the regular season, yeah, and, and then, then eleven other eleven other wins. That'd again. be crazy. Right. So is is it is it okay for them to take the championship away? Or is that way too much? Because not, not every guy on that on that team participated in this, but they knew about it. That's anything they knew about it. But are you gonna like are you gonna be the whistleblower? Are you gonna be that guy when it's going on? And you're cruising, you're winning. Like, think, imagine Verlander has all this shit, and now he doesn't have a ring. He gets taken away. You know, 
Damn. Springer loses his MVP, uh, World Series MVP. Nah, I think if they hit him with a nice a nice fine and then take away, you know, two, two, two firsts or whatever, something like that. I mean, like, I doubt they'd... Nah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, Take maybe, away draft picks for, like, the next three years or so? Take away the next three years, like, first and, like, limit what they can do in the Rule 5 draft or something like that and then throw on money fine, like... It's a, uh, that's it's what a I'm weird, expecting. It's a weird thing. Now, let's continue on with the Astros. Yonder, um, Jordan Alvarez. Wins, a little more positive. A little more positive. Jordan Alvarez went to the Rookie of the Year, unanimous selection. The 11th such selection in the history of this award wow. to win unanimous. He's now the third Astro to do this. Jeff Bagwell in 1991, and then Carlos Correa in 15. Some noteworthy stats to rattle off. That's a lot of stats, but we can only roll, rattle off a couple. <laughs> uh, Alvarez did his debut in Ju- on June 9th, but... That's when he debuted? Yeah, and just yeah. and that was 87 games. He had 27 home runs, drove in 78 RBIs. He could have easily done a Pete Alonso thing and hit 50 home runs. Yeah, if, yeah, if he was there the whole season. Absolutely. Um, among those were at least 300 plate appearances. The only players with a higher OPS than Alvarez was MVP finalist Christian Yelich and Mike Trout Ooh. this year. So let's go on to National League. Duh. We said duh before. Duh. Pete Alonso wins the uh, National League Rookie of the Year. He received 29 of the 31st place votes. Some dickhead voted for Mike Soroka. For, <laughs> What's his name? Do you know? I forgot, and they said it. I forgot what his name was. Uh, say we got to destroy that guy. We could destroy him on Twitter. <laughs> All right, we'll, I'll tweet at him later. So now he's the sixth Met to receive this award. Tom Seaver um, was a... John Matlack. John Matlack. Dale Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, Jacob DeGrom, and now Pete Alonso. Some other noteworthy stats. He led all major league rookies in just about everything: home <laughs> runs, games played, RBIs, runs scored, walks, and WAR. How is this man not unanimous? I don't know because that asshole just said like, "Ah, oh, Mike Soroka. He's already getting twenty nine. Give Soroka one." So his WAR was at five per Baseball Reference and four point eight for FanGraph. That five. War that he received is the tenth highest among nationally positioned players, and he's a rookie. Wow! And basically, he mashed the ball. So the 118.3 mile per hour home run he hit on April 11th was tied for the second high, second hardest hit ball tracked by the Stackhouse 2019. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a harder one on May 11th. You have also he's joined Judge as uh, in 2017 as the only rookies to win a home run derby. In the event in, in this uh, history, in his total of 57 home runs, was that uh, that night was the third most in the, the event's history. We all remember Josh Hamilton. Scumbag. Scumbag. Shout out, fucking show. Fucking 28 home runs in the one round. <laughs> absolutely murdered and lost it. They Still dickhead. Can you believe he didn't win unanimous? That's actually, so messed up. So messed up. And all right, if you're not going to vote for him as the first, at least give your first place vote to like Jack Flaherty. Someone who deserves it. Dude, John Means won second place. in, in He the, won second? It, for, for the American League. Brandon Lau won third, got third, and then uh, Jimenez was fourth. We talked so much shit about Means, like he shouldn't even be on there, and John Means got second place. No way. Yeah. Pretty funny. Pretty funny shit. Well, all right. <laughs> now let's go to manager of the year that announced last night. We got, so far, we're four for four on awards so far. We're killing it. We're killing it. These are the only four we had the same, though. Is it really? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I think I... I think maybe besides, like, executive of the year? Maybe. And I think MVPs... Maybe MVPs were different. 
MVP have, was different. Trout, you have Bregman. Uh, DeGrom, we had the same. Yeah. Besides that, everything else is different. So Rocco Baldelli wins the AL Manager of the Year, fourth skipper yeah. to win it for the Twins. Paul Modern in 2017. Ron Garnhire in 2018. Tom Kelly in 1991. In 91, they won the World Series. Uh, he's the winningest first-year manager in Twins history with 101 wins. He's the seventh first-year manager in MLB history to reach 100-plus wins. This is just the second time in the American League and eighth time overall that the award went to someone who was in his first full season as manager. Last guy to do it is Jeff Bannister, who won the award in 2015 for the Rangers. And this is the first time since 2018, 2010 that the Twins won their division. So well-deserved. Now we had Aaron Boone, who had 100-plus wins again. Two straight years of that. Didn't win. And it was Kevin Cash who was up for the award, too, for a guy who didn't have a lot to deal with. I think all three of those are pretty deserving. Did you like this, though? I know we had it together, but yeah, we, I, our guy Boone didn't win it for the second straight year. That's what I mean, but just looking at the team Rocco was working with and what he got them to do, I think it's just Without a doubt. obvious. Absolutely. And then... um. But I'll shout out Aaron Boone working with all those injuries, and then also obviously shout out uh, Kevin Cash, absolutely with the Rays, and they honestly they like work the game differently than everyone else. Now we have Mike Schultz, and also Brian Snicker and Craig Counts are off for the award. Yep, Cardinals manager one. He led the Cardinals to National League cent- uh, the NLCS first NL Central title since 2015, and so Schultz was the manager last year as well in 2018. They had the worst defense, maybe of all time. Led the league in errors, and then he absolutely flipped it around and had the the, the least amount of errors in 2019. Okay, which is definitely a big win. 91 wins on the season, and this is the craziest thing: he's the first skipper to win the Manager of the Year who never played professional ball. Wow, that's he, sick. That's a sick stat. It's sick stat. Sick. You had damn. He played college ball. I, I listened to the interview. Played college ball. Pretty mediocre, and then he just wanted to be in baseball, and he just kind of worked his way through, worked his way up. Yep, and it's pretty wild. And let's talk real quick about Gabe Kapler, just being the new manager for the for the new, uh, San Francisco Giants. I just got a new GM. What are your thoughts on that signing? I like it. I don't think Philly gave him a fair shake. Not long enough. Uh, you know, Phillies hate Phillies fans hated Kapler. I know they absolutely hated him. No, I think that's a good signing. Two I think he's a good young manager. I think so too. He players. He needs to. Fix his uh, coaching style a little bit, dealing okay. with players and big name. I mean, he has a little easier time with the players over there in San Francisco. They're total rebuild stage. Definitely. Their biggest name is Posey. They might lose Baumgartner. Um, they have guys like Sandoval and, and like uh, Jeff Samarja's other names, but they don't have ego guys like Harper to That's deal right. with. He had two straight years of 500 wins, of 500 records. So mm-hmm. I think they should have gave Kepler another shot. Yeah. But not a bad signing. Let's get to college basketball now. Let's go. Jeff Wise- Two great James, stories. James Wiseman. Your boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. So James Wiseman, he was the he was and is the top ranked freshman in college basketball this season. A potential number one overall pick. Not even a question, a top five pick, probably number one. He has been deemed ineligible by the NCAA. But he continues to play after strong support from his university, Memphis. This is a long, crazy story, and there it's like, honestly, it really doesn't make sense until you really, really read on it a lot. Me and Taylor had a 10-minute conversation about it before we even dived into the podcast. So I'll just try to sum it up real quick. Before Penny Hardaway, who's now the head coach at Memphis, before that, he was coaching high school at Memphis East, 
uh, a regular, you know, high school in Memphis, and Tennessee. That's where he was. That's where James Weiss was playing. Yes. Yeah, so we'll get there. So Hardaway won consecutive championships in uh, Tennessee as a coach with uh, Memphis East before convincing James Wiseman to transfer to the high school. Right. Wiseman's uh, parents needed help with the move, so allegedly Hardaway gave them $11,500 before Wiseman's junior year to help the family move to the high school at which Hardaway was coaching. Correct. The NCAA previously identified Hardaway as a booster for Memphis, though, because in 2008, he donated a million dollars to the university, which is his alma mater. Makes sense. But since you donate the money, you're a booster. Obviously, the NCAA rules prohibit anyone who is a booster from contacting prospects or prospects' relatives for recruiting purposes. When Hardaway became the coach of Memphis... Assuming him helping out Wiseman, coaching Wiseman in high school, kind of swayed Wiseman into coming to Memphis, as it probably would multiple people. If someone helps out your family and then they coach you in high school, like me personally, that's a big selling point, me going to play with them at the next level. Um, So the NCAA told Memphis that Wiseman is ineligible, but that's only a suggestion. Right. They can't, like, come down and say, like, no, like, they can say, like, you can't play, but they can't, like, like physically hold him out from playing in any games. So the actual determination of an athlete's eligibility has to be made by the university president. The school usually takes NCAA's advice. But this time, no. But this time, they're not. They're not afraid of, you know, retaliation from the NCAA down the road. They're doing the exact opposite, saying F you and sticking out the middle finger and say, prove it. This is such a big stepping stone. For the future, for future events like this, yes, big time, huge time. Because everyone's afraid of the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, you have you Ohio State and Chase Young. Yeah, they they're afraid. By NC- they went NCAA protocol exactly as you could. And we'll get into that in a little, but so, and then he when he ends up playing the first game and absolutely goes off. Yes, like he always like he should. Plays the second game, playing great. I think this is great. For the fact that the Memphis president, everybody is saying, "Suck it, yep. we're still playing." You know this is not bad. This is this is wrong that you are doing this to this young kid when Penny Hardaway wasn't even part of the team yet. Wasn't even part of the the, the university as an employee. At the last donation he made to the university was almost ten years ago. Right. This is just another way for the NCAA to control college sports and college athletes. They're pissed at that now they have to do this bill passed that they have to that these players will eventually get paid for their likeness and you know but what's what do you think the next step is gonna be? I mean the next step for James Wiseman? Yeah. He's going to New York and getting drafted <laughs> this upcoming twenty twenty. For Memphis, I don't know. Like with them doubling down Right. Saying, playing him anyway. Wiseman going and getting the court order document to basically uh, ban the NCAA from barring him from playing. They might have some trouble. Wiseman, he should be fine. He's going to play his three months in uh, Memphis and then, you know, go off to the NBA. But Memphis down the road could be in trouble. Yeah, they could be in trouble. Obviously, the NCAA is going to have to first worrying. I, I mean, 
screw the NCAA turning uh, turning over the court order that Wiseman got. I think that's by the time they would do that, it's going to be too late. Wiseman's going to be out already drafted the NBA, process making long. making real money. Yeah, exactly. The process is too long. And then he'll be donating money to Memphis. To Memphis. Ex- yeah, exactly. He'll be yeah. donating that money. But for Memphis down the road, I mean, it could be everything if the NCAA comes down. And, I mean, I think, I think they're coming down hard. They're now, going to be coming down hard. They have to set a precedent. This is really the first university that's been like, "F you, we're doing what we want." Absolutely. They're so, I mean, down the road, it could be everything from recruiting violation, uh, recruiting sanctions. They could take away scholarships. They could they could suspend the program honestly if they want to go that hard, they can, right? They like can, SMU. Just about to say that they can do a like a, a nuke on on the basketball program. Yeah, they could. They've done it in football many times. They did it. They almost did a complete bomb on Penn State. Yeah. They, 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 you said four years of no bulls. Mm-hmm. You know, you're losing recruiting. You're losing money. You're losing wins, losing championships. Now, that was a totally different scandal, but it just goes to show what they can do. Reggie Bush, same thing, took his Heisman away after the fact. And this sets a dangerous precedent if the NCAA lets them get away with it because they're basically saying— Oh, it's like the— Pay the you where you can pay the players. Get on my get on your knees and kiss my kiss my feet. Exactly, and the schools are the only ones who can police themselves. Is what it's showing. Like if the NCAA says, "Oh nah, he can't play," and he's and he plays anyway, other schools are gonna be like, "All right, so let's bring now, in ineligible guys and wait till the NCAA tells us." Now, right, and the, and now Memphis's president is looking at it. look, look. This is the first time since Derrick Rose is here that, that our, our team has actually been in the running to relevant. compete and yeah. relevant. Why am I going to ruin this kid's chances of playing this year and ruin our shot of the next it could this one year could ruin the next five or ten years of recruiting. Yeah. If if if, if it actually or could help it. Right. Go either way. Go either way. For Let's, for the one and done scenario, yeah. I think it helps it, right? Why right. not? If I'm ineligible, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna come play three months and then I'm out. And then from like looking at the university's perspective, if I'm a player like that. Like Memphis and Penny Hardaway are ride or die with and their that's players. Huge like on Penny Hardaway, that he is by his mean. players. That's going to help recruiting. Like, this guy will ride or die for me. I could take, you know, obviously the money's from Hardaway, so it's a little different of a scenario. But like, he's, just he look he shows he, you as a player. Right, like, damn, and, this guy's down. So you just need that president just to be on their side all the whole time. Yeah. If not, then it's going to be go be a bombshell. Yes, definitely. But, let's get into Kentucky. Big L's. Yeah, huge upset. So. Oh my God! The Evansville Purple Aces—they huh? were Taylor preseason ranked eighth in the Mountain Valley Conference. <laughs> wow! So, they had no shot. They had no reason. Absolutely no shot. So, Their head coach was, was a played at Kentucky. Yeah, he won. A, he won the uh, national title with them back in the ninety six. I think it was. Yeah, something like that. Back in the mid nineties. So the Evansville Purple Aces beat the number one. Kentucky Wildcats at home in Rupp Arena, 67-64. Evansville guard Sam Cunliffe scored 17 points, including two free throws with 6.8 seconds to ice it. Uh, completely quieted the Kentucky crowd of over 19,000. They probably expected a routine non-conference win. Did not happen. Kentucky was a 25-point favorite. That's incredible. And had earned the, na- the top ranking in the nation a day earlier. Evansville had 40-1 to odds to win the game. Evansville was trying to lose this game. <laughs> yeah, right. During the last couple last couple possessions. They shot horrible. Shot horrible. I think they shot like 30%, 31% in the field or something like that. They turned the ball over in like dramatic fashion. And why are they fouling in the last couple seconds? 
I f- I'm forgetting the guy's name who drove up the court and, and oh, missed. Oh, for the- Kentucky, airballed that three, but you got to foul him, right? Don't even let him take that shot. Bro, it was a good look. Yeah. They didn't foul him. What are you, what are you doing? You foul <laughs> him, it'll be two free throws, and you're still up by one. Exactly. And then you're going to get fouled, and you're going to make him. Yep. It was insane that they didn't get that. I was like, what is going on? I watched the highlights. Me and SVP were screaming at the TV. I was like, oh, my God, what are you doing? It's the first time in AP poll history that two number one teams have lost in November. Kentucky beat number one Michigan State right. earlier to start at the season. And this will end the Wildcats' stay at the top of the poll. Now, Kentucky, I think, was 39-0 and when beating unranked non-conference opponents. I mean, I'm not surprised by that stat. That's crazy, right. though. Now it's done. Damn. Let's All go right. your boy Chase Young. Shout out Purple Aces. Shout out Purple Aces. NCAA, this is a just came out right before our pod started. Chase Young is now his uh, suspensions reduced to now two-game suspension. And he'll be playing in the game we're going to. We're not going Let's to the game, but we're go. going to Ohio. November 23rd, he's playing against the Nitty Lions, Penn State. Just for Liam's birthday. Birthday wishes. Belated birthday. Belated birthday wishes, correct. Belated birthday celebration. Birthday was in October, but we're celebrating as as the Pop Boys. (laughs) November. But he's back. He's playing. He's he's out, I guess, for this last game. Against Rutgers. Against Rutgers. um, And then the one against Maryland. So it's... See, and if Ohio State said it, F you... Oh, to, see to you later. If you do the NCAA and played him anyway, oh. he'd be suspended two games. Rutgers and Penn State, dude. Ohio State playing by the rules, which they Works don't really, they don't really play by the <laughs> rules that much. No comment. No comment there. <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm very happy for this, especially since we'll obviously be in Columbus for the game. But yeah. uh, as Ohio State fan, this this feels good. I'm sure this it does. Good. So there was a photo that kind of surfaced the internet. Of Chase Young holding like a a bag with like I guess shoes in it. Yeah. So him and other, uh, him and four other Ohio State players went to this place in Columbus called the Heat Archive. It's like a shoe hype store, like you know the kind of stuff we're into. We talk about and what you wear. We're we're probably gonna visit the shop. We better visit. The I mean, shop. Honestly, if we can get all four of us, I'm trying to visit top and take the exact same picture. Dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Who's you'll be Chase Young. Yeah, I guess I'll be Jason. Yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out. But who, uh, who, is there, who are the other people? Is it former players? Uh, no, all current players. Oh wow! I uh, I can't remember. I could I named two of them. But I could like name two of them by face, and the other okay. two I didn't know. We but have to do it. They're all current players. Yeah, no. If we take a picture we, we like should, that, we gotta get bags too. Oh yeah, well I'll buy something from there, and I'll say like, yeah, okay, I have like three extra bags, and then we'll take a picture. Yes, that'd be great. Same exact picture. That'd be great. Um, yeah, but no, very happy. But yeah, that picture came out, and it was like they definitely weren't buying cheap stuff. No, they Probably weren't buying some off whites or some Jordans or something. Yeah, so maybe the loan was for that. But no, he uh, allegedly came out that Young took out the loan to help fly his girlfriend to the Rose Bowl in 2018. Which, look, at the time of hearing that, it's like, it stinks. Like, that's such a, it's like an honest, it's like a really, like, honest thing. Like, it's it's very, it's it's not. Exactly. It's if, not that bad. If he didn't say, I took out a loan from a family friend, if he said, oh, I borrowed money from a family friend, none of this right. would be happening. Yeah, it's just all the terminology that gets him screwed. And honestly, at the end of the day, like he's getting in trouble because like this is not not no me it sound fucked up, but he's broke. He's a college it, in theory. He can't work. Right. He might not come from you know a family with a lot of money who can help help him out, help support him, him and his girlfriend. 
Exactly. Like, yeah. What are you gonna do? You gotta you gotta borrow money sometimes. Yeah, but it's against the rules. Nah, I know, but it's for a good cause. So it makes it feel better. It's, I, it's for a good cause. <laughs> in, allegedly for a good cause. If he it came out and was like, oh yeah, like he he took a ten thousand dollar loan to go buy a Rolex or something like that, I'd be like, come on, man. But when it comes out that like, all right, he was just trying to fly his girlfriend out for the Rose Bowl, like, all right. What shoes do you think were in the box? In the bag. Oh, he definitely had a pair of like off white Jordan ones. I actually got. Hold on, I'm gonna hop on his Instagram real quick. I pretty sure he's not putting anything out like that, but I want to see if he like tweeted out a picture of uh, like the new shoes he got or something like that. Dude, I mean, I saw you. You picked up some nice shoes recently. Ah, uh, yeah, just a flip though. There's all oh, you flipped them. You didn't keep I'm them? flipping them. Yeah. You make some money. Trying make to make some, some side money. Yeah, I'm bad. Make some dough for the trip. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I, I picked up like four pairs, anywhere from like. 50 80 bucks a profit on a pair. Nice. So, side money. We, oh, do you want to continue talking about this? Or do you want to jump to uh, uh, college? Yeah, I don't see anything. Right. He has all fo- football pictures on his uh, Instagram. I'm sure he's have no shoes on there. No, definitely not going to put like all those off whites and Jordan. Show his fit. Rocking. Show his like, his, like, you know, three, four, like $800 fit he's wearing, the clothes. and. Yeah, I'm going to try to do some research, see if we can like find him somewhere on campus if he goes to class. <laughs> he's not going to class. Come on. <laughs> All right, let's talk about college football playoff rankings. Came out Tuesday night. We'll talk AP in a second. So the college football playoff rankings: the top four is LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and then Georgia. Ooh. So Clemson jumped up from five to three. LSU jumped up from two to one. Ohio State dropped from one to two. Georgia five. To I think four? it was like, or I think or it was six, like to four? six to four. Six. Yeah. Alabama drops oh, yeah, from two, or they were three to five. Yep. And then. Oregon at six, seven. Utah, Minnesota jumped up from seventeen. Big jump to eight. I, that's what you get when you beat the you know fourteen, the fourteen. Yeah, Penn State, who's that fourteen who lost to Minnesota, dropped from nine, and the Boomer Sooners, Oklahoma, dropped from nine to ten. Pissed off about that. So, are, do you agree with these rankings? I agree with the AP rankings more than the college football playoff. I like having Alabama above Georgia and Minnesota above Utah. Besides that, I agree with everything. I don't agree. I think I think Memphis needs to be not Memphis. Excuse me, Minnesota, Minnesota? needs to be at like six. Really? Yeah. Look, you have Georgia who has a loss. Alabama has a loss. Okay. Minnesota is undefeated. How many teams are in? I, I, I got to check the the Oregon Utah records, but if you can just look up real fast, like the top top ten or the, the couple playoff rankings. Minnesota plays two more ranked teams in the next three games. They have to face Iowa next week, this Saturday. Oregon's eight and one. Utah's eight and one. So how does that make any sense? That 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 they're not over Utah and Oregon. I'll be fine if they're at six. They should be at six. I mean, but then you can make the case that Baylor should be in the top ten because they're undefeated nine and zero, and Auburn, uh, Florida are both. But who, above do, the two who, losses. who do they beat though? Who did Baylor beat? That's like significant. You not know? not much besides. Uh, I mean, they beat TCU in three overtimes like this past weekend. Texas. That game yeah, was so yeah, not 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 much, I guess. So let's get. You want to just dive into these games real quick let's this past it. weekend? What a shootout of LSU Alabama. That was a great game. Unbelievable game. Joe Burrow is ma- probably made his, the clear-cut case that he's going to be winning the Heisman. I had the first bet in my parlay. I uh, did some bets yeah. this past weekend. And the first one of my four-bet uh, parlay was LSU plus six. That worked out. 
That worked out nice. The rest, not, not so, so much. much. We'll get into that in a little. So he had 393 yards, three touchdowns, and helped LSU snap the eight-game losing streak to Alabama with a win 46-41. You had Coach O crying on the field, getting the Gatorade bath, being real emotional. This isn't a win for... This is a win for LSU. This is the win for Louisiana, which is such a heartwarming thing. The guy loves football, passionate about football. He's been around LSU for years, and now he gets this big win against Bama at home. It was awesome. It was freaking unbelievable. Game. LSU now, at home. It was in. It was in Alabama. Excuse me. Yeah, LSU now has eight wins over top ten teams in the past two seasons. They Huge. scored two touchdowns in the final twenty six seconds of the first half, which was just crazy. Yeah, but great. then obviously that second half overshadowed it as it was just straight shootout back and forth. Alabama making that crazy almost comeback. I was talking to my dad about it, and I showed him the score, and he's like, "Alabama's not out of it. Alabama's not out of it." Dude, that's what I was thinking the whole time when I had my bet. I was like, "Thank God I have the you know plus points with LSU." Right. Um, Penn State, Minnesota. Yes, I watched the entire game. Did you really watch the entire game? Oh, okay. Unbelievable game. I loved it. Minnesota ending a 13-game losing streak to ranked opponents, and he beat a top-five team for the first time since 1999. The Gophers produced a potentially program-changing victory that has been missing the last two decades. You have Fleck, P.J. Fleck, who is an unbelievable coach. Now they have a two-game lead in the Western Division of the Big Ten. Do they have the resume to get into the top four? They just beat a top four team. If you want to check real quick what their uh, Minnesota's rest of Minnesota's uh, schedule, I'm almost positive they're they're facing Iowa Iowa next week, which is a top Iowa who's twenty three right now. Yeah, and then they have Northwestern and they have Wisconsin. So two more ranked teams in twenty three Iowa and fifteen Wisconsin. Iowa is one of the best defensive teams in the country. Only let up one rushing touchdown this season, which was last this past weekend. week. Yeah. To which we'll talk in a second. So, with 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 Penn State, which we're going to see in two weeks in, in Columbus, what does this mean for them now at nine? Are do they have a shot of bumping up any higher in the standings? Losing a big game to number seventeen Minnesota, oh. who's now undefeated at nine. I mean, Penn, giant leader in the West. Penn State's going to have to beat Ohio State to have any shot. Any shot. Exactly. Um, Doesn't make it easy. Besides that, like they're not they're not going to get into the championship game. No. They have to beat Ohio State, and other teams have to lose. That's the only that's the only way they're getting. But Minnesota, they're getting in if they win out and then can somehow go into the Big Ten championship and beat Ohio State. They're in. That's you you have you have to put them in. You have to. you have to. Dude, their defense is legit. Their corners are legit. And I'm forgetting the guy's name, and shame on me. One of their corners has seven interceptions on the year. Seven, dude. Damn. It's insane. Tanner Morgan, the quarterback for Minnesota, passed for 393 yards and three touchdowns to the to the fourth-ranked Penn State. It was unbelievable. Um, for a program that has not won a conference a conference since they shared the title in 1967. This is a whole new world, whole new thing for the for Minnesota Gophers. Yep, Golden Gophers. So I think they have a, a good shot against next week against Iowa, which we'll dive in. So Iowa Wisconsin is the third big game on the schedule. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 130, 
uh, of his 250 yards in the fourth quarter, and Ooh. Danny Davis ran for touchdown and caught another as the number 16 Wisconsin outlasted the uh, Iowa 24-22. Also became the first running back in this season to rush for more than 100 yards against Iowa. Disgusting. Disgusting. Iowa entered the day allowed only 10 points per game, lowest average uh, in the in the in, I, I can't pronounce his oh, name. Oh, Ferentz. Ferentz is 21 seasons at Iowa, but the Hawkeyes allowed a season high in the points and were outgained 473 to 295. Iowa fell to an 0-3 season against ranked teams. the 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 Hawkeyes also lost to Michigan and Penn State earlier this year. Having three losses is tough to be even a ranked team. Definitely. That's but, crazy, though. But it's because their defense is so fucking good. Their defense is unbelievable. Okay. I was going to say, like, well, let me. What are they ranked right now? I can't. 23. I, yeah. So they're ranked 23 and they're facing Minnesota. That, honestly, that's pretty good. Three losses. Yeah. There's six and three at 23. Yeah. It's just because their defense is, the, is arguably the best in the country. Yeah. And they let up a season high. 24 points, which is nothing. Three touchdowns and a field goal. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah. Badgers, shout out to the Badgers. Shout out to Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn, hey. Got, uh, Badgers got back on track. The back-to-back road losses, Illinois and Ohio State. Their mm-hmm. defense held Iowa to just 87 yards rushing, making that the seventh time in nine games that Wisconsin has held their opponent to below 100 yards on the ground. Can I talk about my team now? I really want to get it. You want to go chest. first? Get off your chest? Yes. All right, hit it. So, number nine, Oklahoma faced an unranked three-loss Iowa State team. I can't tell you how mad I was. I, I went out for the very first time in about a month and a half. I just went out to the bar with a couple of friends. Just, I, I had a bunch of waters on with lemon in it. Very fancy. <laughs> but I watched the end of this game at the bar. I was watching it periodically through the day, through through, through the entire game. And when we left, and I went turned it back on at the bar. Jalen Hurts passed for 273 yards. He had three touchdowns, ran for 68, and two more scores for the Sooners. Um, at the end of the game, it was my gut was dropping because they had a 21 or – so this is the stat of the year. So Oklahoma lifetime and their Oklahoma's history of playing football. When they're leading a 21 or more after the half – they're 194 and 0. Three scores or more. They've never lost. Damn. They almost lost. They won 42 to 21, 42 to 41. God, they were going they the Iowa State scored. They're going for a two-point conversion and Parnell Motley intercepted the ball for the two-point conversion. And I'm telling you Parnell Motley for his entire career as Oklahoma Sooner has been average. Oh, really? Nothing special? Yes. He's probably the best corner they got. Okay. And he's an average player. That's my opinion. He's a horrible coverage. You've always said that to me, though. Oklahoma never has good DBs. No. And and Motley has games where he looks like he's the best corner in the country, and he looks like sometimes he's never put on cleats. <laughs> so it, it looks weird. So and, the re- and this is the reason they dropped. They dropped one because they almost lost to a 5-3 th- and three unranked Iowa State team. So it pisses me off. So now I'm done. <laughs> Iowa State, no, Ohio State absolutely destroyed Maryland. Absolutely murdered them. Your, your boy Josh Fields went through up for three touchdowns. Yeah, another ran run, for another. Run score just in the first half. Yeah. 705 yards of offense, 41st downs. 
They killed them. And Ohio State, 73 points were the most the school has scored in a Big Ten game since scoring 83 in 1950. Oh, yeah. It was the Buckeyes' second highest point total in a Big Ten game in the AP poll era since 1936. I mean, like, people were like, oh, Chase Field's not going to play. It's going to be a different. Shut the fuck up. I mean, I was the one that said they weren't going to cover the spread, and it was like 40. I know. I told you. I was like, they're gonna, they absolutely murdered it. Yeah, they killed them. Yeah. All right, let's, now it's time for you to get your off, off your chest now, if, if you want to. Yes. We're talking about the Knicks now. Knicks get absolutely murked by the Cavaliers at home. And immediately following the game, you have the president and GM of the Knicks, Scott Perry and um, Steve Mills, talk to the press, which never happens. This is the 10th game of the season, Liam. Not good. This is not good. Not good at all. You're pissed. I'm so pissed. Go off. Go off, King. Oh, where are we? All right, we'll start with Fizdale and that whole thing going on first, and then we'll get into the game last night because the game last night is even more. Uh, yeah, it's even more embarrassing. Wants to make my head explode. Yeah. <laughs> um. So following <laughs> Sunday's loss to the Cavs, Fizdale was talking with the players in the locker room when Mills, uh, Steve Mills, and Scott Perry, the president and GM, both came out for the press conference. Like Taylor, you said, usually the coaches will address the media first after games. Correct. Immediately when I saw that, I knew, oh no, something's about to happen. I did a, a snap, like second went through my head, like they're firing Fizdale, like they're canning him right I now, thought, ten games, and I was about to go crazy. I thought they were going to fire Fizdale right there. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought that was. first snap, I was like, oh my. I was, God, I was at the fan, and I broke this to everybody. I'm like, yo, they're <laughs> they're about to fire Fiz. So, a league source came out and told ESPN in reference to New York's management style and the coaching staff, everyone is moving to their positions now. This is how they'll make Fizdale the fall guy. Unfortunately, they will. And this sucks. I, I like Fizdale. I think I, he's a great I like coach. him I think, a lot. I think, not a great coach. I think he's a good coach, and the way he's handling things. He's handling it very well. It, for, it, there there well was a couple things he said during his press conference he didn't say right. Like, I'm down. You know, I'm with my, with my guys. I'm with the guys upstairs. But I got to take him care of. He's handling it a lot better than another New York coach in Adam Gase. Yes, who... Who's doing, like, the opposite. Complete opposite. Saying, like, like no, I'm not worried. Like, at least Fizdale's coming out and saying, like, yeah, we got, we got like, problems. We got we to gotta pick it up. We got shit we got to fix. Right. So, let's move in. I'm not happy about that. I love Fizz, and he needs talent to win. Like, you can't can the guy and throw him under the bus 10 games deep when right. you went out, and your number one guy is playing, like, complete doo-doo I'll talk about in a sec. But last night, Kobe White and the Bulls absolutely shat on the hopeless Knicks. The Bulls stink. Kobe White, he scored four points in the first three quarters. And then he outscored the entire Knicks team 23-17 to in the fourth. I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks were... Oh, he also uh, set an NBA record for most threes in a quarter by a rookie and then set the Bulls record for seven threes in a single quarter. The Knicks were up two, up two points, coming off like a 16-2 to two run or something like that, going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. I was so hyped. I turned the game on at half. I was like, all right, let's go. Comeback time. And this is going to be a good fourth quarter. They're going to compete. I'm going to watch a good game. And then the third quarter ended. See ya. Absolutely demoralizing to they watch. Just, they suck. Two and nine. Stink. Two and nine. Tied for worst in the league with Golden State Warriors. I went and did some research this morning. I was so heated. Okay. Their number one guy, Julius Randle, Paid the money. They paid him a boatload of money this season, almost seventy mil, three three years, uh, like twenty one mil a year. Not so much. He won't and can't shoot with his right hand, <laughs> and he can't shoot in the fourth quarter. Literally, all of his shots 
or with his left hand and are not from the right side of the court. I have a shot chart up right now, Taylor. I'm very impressed with the shot chart and the stats. To Bro, show it. literally like 95, not, 85 to 90% of his shots are from the left side of that paint. Barely, nothing from the right side of the paint. Absolutely nothing. There's a lot and then of his, red. Looking at his field goal percentage in the fourth quarter of the season, he's shooting 31% in the fourth quarter. You can't be a number one guy making 20-plus mil a season shooting 30% in the fourth quarter. Not good. No. All. No. No. I, I'm done. I, I I'm have, done with Julius Randle. This, this is such a side note from this, but when I saw like they were tied with the worst record with the Golden State Warriors, I just thought about this the other day. So, like, when Curry's coming back when? Like six weeks? More? A little longer, I think, yeah. And Clay's out? Clay's, Clay, they're probably so, done. So like, why don't you like get tanked this season and then they get like the number two pick or number one pick and then they get Curry back and Clay Thompson back trade D'Lo. So then you have that trade asset and the good pick coming in. Imagine and you, you just reloaded. Imagine they get like James Wiseman and they have Curry. They get any of those top five because it's a right. stud, stud class, class going out. Imagine that happens. How that would be wild crazy. that would be for next season. And then they're competing like from the worst season they've ever had in the last probably like ten years to then. Competing for a title again. It's gonna be like the Curry draft all over again. Warriors gonna have like one pick in front of the Knicks. I'm gonna draft an absolute stud, and the Knicks are gonna draft like a fucking Alonzo Mourning again. Yo, Neil Aquino actually has been playing better the last couple of games. See, Shooting threes. Don't give up good. on Frank. I was. I don't give up. Frank right away. Don't give up. He's young. He's so young. I mean, if you think about it, people like the human body in general technically doesn't hit it, hit is its athletic prime until 27. True, and that's where everyone. And he's still like years. eight years away from that. So, <laughs> so you think they're gonna wait seven, eight years for it? Hey, I'll I'll take the seven year Frank experiment. Oh my, keep God. it going, keep it going. That's a hell of an experiment. <laughs> All right, let's dive into the NFL now. Best games. We we're gonna recap a couple of the best games. Best game of the year, hands down, was this past Monday, Monday yes. Night Football. Seahawks Niners. Seahawks came out with the W on the road in San Fran. Right, it wasn't San Fran, right? Correct. I'm like blanking now. Correct. Yes, correct. Yes. In overtime, 27-24, Russell Wilson doing his best to keep that MVP alive. He is one for one with touchdown interception ratio, 20, 232 yards. There wasn't really a crazy running game. Carson had 89 yards for a touchdown, but it was this defense that played so well. Bobby Wagner had 11 total tackles. You had. Trey Flowers played a great game. But they really could not, like, they had probably, like, six, five or six chances to get a pick in the fourth quarter, and they just could not catch the ball. It was so funny. Yeah. But you had the big blow was Jimmy G. Jimmy G cannot play when the pressure's on. No, that last drive of the fourth quarter and then that first drive of overtime, or his first drive of overtime, just looked. Dead. And this is what the media has been saying. We, when are we going to see a time when Jimmy G needs to step up? Because the yes. de- they're blowing out teams, or the defense is the one that's coming up with the big play. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, they have so, been him. So this was the time, and this was the best time for it. You're versing a, 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 a in-division rival. Yep. Right? For the Seahawks, playing on the primetime Monday Night Football. Playing for the best record in the league. Right. This is what you need. And Jimmy G did not step up great. He was overthrowing guys by a lot. Almost threw a pick. I think it was to Bobby Wagner, I think it was, or Trey Flowers. So it was like almost directly in their hands. Yeah. It was tough to watch. That was Bobby Wagner. He dropped it. Yeah. 
It was, it was Big like fuck literally right. He threw it right at he him. He threw it right at him. That's right. So it was tough to see. Wilson played great. Gordon had a, like it was a nice pickup for Gordon. He had a couple catches and yeah. significant first downs. But we had a bench player of the week. And I think we're still going to keep it. And we're yeah, going we'll to mention him towards the end of the show. But as Wilson solidified the MVP. Now, now he has two picks and I think twenty three touchdowns on the year. I don't know if he's solidified it, but he's making probably honestly as good of a case for yourself as MVP. As I said, we said a couple weeks ago when we did the mid season awards. Yeah, I had Rodgers winning. Yeah, but Wilson, the fact that like his team is chugging through the playoffs, chugging through the regular season now, and they just be the best team in the football and arguably the best team in football. So I think it's a, it's it's getting there. Now let's talk about Sunday Night Football's primetime game: Vikings, Cowboys. Kirk Cousins actually plays well, and he's getting paid the money that he actually maybe deserves. He's winning games. He beat the boys on prime time. But the real case, the real story of it was Dak took the internet by storm with his uh, pregame warm-up routine. Yes. It's like the guys have been doing that for years, but since the cameras were on him prime time, it caught him. Exactly. It's pretty funny. You see Jimmy G doing like a... His own version, and then, and then version. Nick Bosa did his own version. Yeah, when Nick Bosa was trolling, but uh, Kirk Cousins, there was he played very well from the beginning to the end of the game. Surprised me a lot. Right, me too. Two hundred twenty-two yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Dalvin Cook had almost hundred yards rushing. You had an unbelievable catch by Randall Cobb, one-handed grab, freaking ridiculous yeah, grab. Yeah, that was line. sick. That was beautiful. Dak. He played fucking amazing. 400 yards passing, three touchdowns. But earlier in the in the in the week, it was told that he's getting a franchise tag and not getting that extension he wants. Yep. Well, we talked about it weeks ago. He's not worth 40 million dollars. No, definitely not. Even a great a great game like this. But that lap, but there was no running game, and that's what hurt the Vikings. That's what hurt, I'm sorry, hurt the Cowboys. 47 total yards for Zeke. Yeah, that is not enough. Now they're five and four. And this division for the NFC East is tight to begin with with just two teams. With the Eagles. And I think the Eagles are playing the Patriots this upcoming weekend in in Philly. They are. It's a Sunday night game. Sunday mid-afternoon, 425. They're both 5-4, and four, the Eagles and Cowboys. Do you think the Eagles can beat the Patriots next week? To help them solidify this NFC East matchup. Ooh. And the Cowboys are playing in in Detroit, and we don't know how Matt Stafford's going to be with his with his back injury or his neck or something like that. Should be interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking? I think I think the Eagles are absolutely get smoked by the Patriots, and I think it's going to be a boys winning out. That game against the Vikings. I'm oh, sorry, yeah. the Vikings. Yeah, against the Lions. If Stafford's not there, if Stafford's there. Okay. He's going to run for their money. So it just the Cowboys did not play well on the defensive side either. But let's talk about a team that just sucks all together. Big time. New York Giants. Oh my! They God. are now crowned the worst team in New York. Yes. Now we're going to have to wait another four years for the Giants just to play. <laughs> I think it's time to console the season. Yeah. I think it's yeah absolutely time to console the season. Pat Sherman needs to get fired. There's no reason why that Saquon should be on the field anymore. He had 31 yards total in this game. You had Jamal Adams strip the ball 
directly out of Daniel Jones' hands for a touchdown. That was just disrespectful. <laughs> oh, my God. Beyond disrespectful. So Saquon was asked about sitting out, and he says, the mindset of sitting me out for the rest of the season is beyond me. I do not agree with this. It won't happen. Do you think they should sit him out? He's playing hurt. He said yes. Absolutely should sit him out. They suck. There's no Keep season. his health. Season's done. Mm-hmm. Save it. Have Daniel Jones play the rest of the season. Keep playing out. Get the experience. Lose more games. Get a nice draft. Right. Saquon doesn't need the experience. Get Chase Young. Be awesome. Ooh. Be nice. Or get Ju- Jerry Judy as another receiver. Uh-huh. Be great. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, damn. I like Chase Young at the Giants. <sighs> I like Jerry Judy, too. As a... Either Honestly, either of those. Right. Fine with me. But the, the funniest thing of all is Sam Darnold said that they have a we can make a playoff run. They fucking suck. They can't make a playoff run. No. No. There is a still yeah, legitimate yeah. I think I think there's a legitimate shot of making the playoffs. I think it's in like the zero percentile. Okay. <laughs> not one percent. Zero. You're not making the playoffs. And he said that to the press. He's like, Yeah, you know what the big win, you know, I think we can make the playoffs. Play like a playoff push. Enough, dude. Your team sucks as it is. Your coach is an absolute <laughs> nut job. You stink. You play against a shitty team, and you play good because it's a shitty team. No defense. Yeah. Defense is there once in a blue moon. The Giants are playing just as bad as the Dolphins are. The Dolphins have, the, the, the Giants have two wins against the Bucks and Redskins. That's it. Two very bad teams. And you can see the Dolphins, the last two weeks where they won two in a row. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, they've been a very competitive team the last like month. The Dolphins, they've I think they lost by fourteen. They let up a twenty-one point lead or to twelve, like a fourteen-point lead. Yeah. So they're being competitive. They're more competitive than the Giants are. That's sad. It's pretty it sad to say. So um, we'll do one more, one more game. The Lamar Jackson right. spin move. Oh, oh, one of the best spin moves I've ever seen. It's like it showed like a mirror image of Michael Vick and his runs. Yeah. Is he solidified his shot of, of being the MVP conversation? I, I think not win. even a question. Right? Not even a question. It's just playing absolutely out of his mind. I don't I don't think you could put another quarterback in that situation and they can make it work nearly as well. He's doing everything right. Everything right. Absolutely everything. 15 of 17, 20, 223 yards, passing three touchdowns, no picks. He had 65 rushing and also a rushing touchdown. He's going to break the rushing record for quarterbacks. He's going to score more touchdowns than anybody as a, as a quarterback. And this team is 7-2. Yeah, they're grooving. I mean, I, I listened to some of the uh, mic'd up stuff. Just about, like, do you see that whole exchange between Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson? Absolutely. Everything just, like, culminating together. It was it was absolutely awesome, and him just going with Lamar and saying like, you know, do you know how many kids are going to be wearing number eight jerseys? That's just like, damn, like, yeah, who made it. And, and he was like, I'm just trying to ball. Yeah, and he's like, you know, this is awesome for the kids. And he's like, yeah, it's awesome for the kids. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, and he mm-hmm. has that mentality, that and mindset, he, yeah. right? They are absolutely running away with this AFC North. It's just about done. Yeah, they're taking it. Cleveland is three and six. Pittsburgh's five and four, staying alive, and the Bengals are zero and nine. So, it's just about who's going to stay afloat. And I think the Ravens are taking that division without a doubt. But let's go to a, a guy who hasn't played football in a while. All right, it's Colin Kaepernick. NFL set up a mock pro day for Kaepernick on Saturday in Atlanta. NFL has invited all thirty-two teams to come out. He's 32 years old, hasn't played in 20, since 2016. Kaepernick on Twitter said, 
I'm just getting word from my representatives that the NFL league office reached out to them about a workout in Atlanta on Saturday. I've been in shape and ready for this for three years. Can't wait to see the head coaches and GMs on Saturday. Do you think, this is not on our list, but do you think this is a a publicity stunt? I don't think so. The NFL came out and they said it's not a stunt. That uh, team execs believe many teams are scouting Kaepernick to judge his readiness for the next season. And I think I agree with that. I mean, he's 32 years old. He hasn't played since the 2016 season, but he's been working out. He tweeted earlier yesterday, I believe. I'm just getting word. I just just read that. Oh, you just read that? You were looking up that quote from the NFL. That's why, from the NFL. Um, No, I mean. uh, (laughs) I was like, don't read it. I just read it. (laughs) All right. Welcome down to the bench. Yeah. Um, Welcome. No, I I don't think it's, you know, a stun or anything. I think it's legit. I mean, that that like the NFL invited all the teams. It is a Saturday, so there are going to be some scouts at college games. You know, looking out, we are getting to the end of the college season, but I don't think this is a stunt. I think teams are interested. I think there are some teams who might actually, you know, benefit the quarterback for this benefit seat. from him. Like so teams season. looking at the Ravens. I think Kaepernick could fit in as a backup there. Maybe even the Eagles. With the Bears, they don't know what they're doing with Mitch. With the Bucks, Jameis Winston. No idea. No one knows what they're doing with him. The Lions even need a little bit of help with Stafford out. The Jets possibly even. As their owner was one of like the main guys to back Kaepernick. You, you would put the Bengals there. The Bengals, obviously, who would you know they're they're they don't know what they're doing with Andy Dalton. They have Ryan Finley starting. Right. They and look, you can say this team, I don't know if they're gonna need it, but they have the Titans. The Tannehill's winning with them. Mariota's the backup, so then maybe it's not a, a, a place for Kaepernick, but it could be. But out of all these places, where do you think the best fit would be? I think I think his best f- Oh, See, because I want to say Ravens right off the bat. Right, to so the running One, style. they have, that's just the type of offense they run, the type of style. It they have Jackson exactly what he and, does. and Griffin. Exactly, but that's exactly right. They have Lamar Jackson, and they have RG3. So they could cut RG three, or they could cut. Yeah, but him. I don't think they cut RG three. He's been in the system. He knows the system. He's been. He was decent when he had to play last season. They do have Trace McSorley, who's the third string back. I believe he came out last season. Um, That's right. Which I mean, I guess he's kind of expendable. It's undersized quarterback. You know, plays a couple different roles. Right. But um, besides the Ravens, the Bucks going down to Tampa, I could see they need a quarterback. I don't know if Bruce Arians would be open to that. Um, I might I might see a Bears. If Bears. They, look, it's it, the big name quarterbacks are on the free agent list for next year. Is is Kaepernick? It's almost every free agency. And then if Cam gets cut or traded in the off season next year, Cam's another another guy we We'd mentioned say, last week. We say Broncos too. They need someone to just kind of kill a season or two while Drew Drew Locke's getting ready. I think I think yeah I think Drew Locke could be ready for next year. Oh, you think he'll he'll, he'll th- be th- able to start? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the guy he played fantastic in college, so I think. That could be an issue. I mean, that could, that could be a, a starting point for him. Okay, but it's just going to be interesting to see what's going on. Um, the NFL is definitely covering their ass right now. It, I, look, they're saying it's not a publicity stunt, but you know the fact that Kaepernick's like found out like out of nowhere that's going to be on Saturday, and he has to be like mentally prepared, which sometimes it could take a little while for someone to get prepared. But Kaepernick's been ready, so be cool to guy get get the guy back. He's a very athletic guy. He's definitely a backup. He's not a starter. No, I'm. Uh... 
Maybe he could start for yeah, the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, in the, right, in the right situation. He could start for the Bengals, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right Be- definitely him. better than Andy Dalton. Yeah. All right. So that's part one of our show. When we come back anchor ad, after the anchor ad, we'll get into some special segments. A jam-packed Would You Wear. All right, we're back. Special segment time. You know what it is. We got Bench Player of the Week. Who do we got, Liam? Bench Player of the Week, we have Chase McLaughlin, the 49ers rookie kicker. Went three for four on the night against the Niners game against the Seahawks. He had a tying field goal to force overtime along with 47 yards. It was a money field goal, and then he missed a wide right, wide left, excuse me, game-winning field goal, which then— In overtime. Yeah, yeah. which then the Seahawks then eventually won the next series. But the game, the game time field goal was money. Yeah, for regulation, he's our bench player of the week. Yeah, all right. So on our on our, on our bench on our uh, end of the bench Twitter account, we tweeted out, uh, you know, the video of him tying the field goal, and we're like bench player of the week muscle emoji, and then immediately afterwards, I retweeted it. And I said maybe not, but we're gonna give him to anyway. Bench player, we'll of the give week. it to him. He had a Chase McLaughlin. Congratulations, you'll get something in the mail. Probably not. All right, so it's a short. Special segment. So, you know, we just did Bench Player of the Week. We're going to do now a long Would You Wear. What we got? All right, Taylor. So, to start off, we had the Nike Off-White Vapor Street Athlete in Progress. The Nike X so dumb. Virgil in collab progress. continues. Love this Virgil. is dropping Thursday the 11th. It's a woman's shoe. Ooh, so, woman's sizing. Fancy. Oh, those are fun. We have three different colorways. We have the black, the tour yellow, and the polarized blue all retailing in 190 we have the polarized blue. It has a blue upper with a white sole and then the green spikes, the green track spikes like they, uh, they had on that last collaboration. True, true, true. has a little pink of it with a yellow swoosh and green laces, it looks like. Um, so is this more of a workout athletic shoe than a regular style? For sure. Definitely. This is meant to be worn and ran in, I'm assuming, like track. Something like that. They also have the uh, tour yellow colorway, which is yellow with like a gray kind of sole, uh, almost a gum bottom uh, spikes on the back, like a pink, pink color. Yeah. That one. And then we had the black one. Oh black, god, white, that pink. That one is so fresh. Yeah, you like that one? Oh my god. I, I, It's like every one that I saw got better and better. <laughs> I love the black one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That honestly, it's really cool one. looking. Um, so these are all retailing for 190 Probably resell between 220 to 300 The The bigger sizes are going to do better. Right. Just because those are the size men can wear, and it helps uh, you know, now open up the market a little. I have a question. Remember the, the green ones, right? The green ones that he did? Yes. With those those are women's too before, right? Yes, correct. So now, but is it wrong for like a guy to wear those? No. It doesn't matter. It's just a woman's shoe. It's just, it honestly, not even a woman's shoe. It's woman's size. Woman's sized. Okay. So, like, I mean, uh... I'm trying to think off the top of my head. All the people I've seen wear those have been guys. I don't think I, I've maybe seen like uh, I can't remember her it's, name. It's but so one person from that one one I've seen one girl on those in public. It's made for women, but men could wear it. Exactly. It's like uh, no size wise. The size scale is for women. Exactly the okay. size scale because on it normally on you know shoes we would buy it'll say like first size it'll say like size twelve. This one it'll say like thirteen point five W. I gotta say, out of all three of these, the black ones first, then the yellow one with the pink bottom. Yep. And then the, the first one you guys show me. I agree. See, that's the order I put it on the list. Did you really? I, I, I didn't even read black, the list. Yellow, blue. Yeah. I didn't even read the list. Uh, next up, we have the those are fresh Jordan One Mid Fearless Melody Asani. So these are designed by Melody Asani. This is the third shoe to release in Jordan's Fearless collection. 
Um, they've already dropped that one blue and red patent leather one I, I posted on my uh, yes. selling account. Then they also did a mid, which was black and red, nothing too crazy. Um, but we have this third shoe to come out, retailing at 130 Resale should be in the oh, $350 to $500 area. So you're able to make some money on these. They are a classic Jordan 1 with a twist. What do you think, Taylor? <sighs> Two different colored shoes. You have one with a well, green base and one with an orange. You have the translucent like blue bottoms What's with the, the writing on it. What's with the watch on that? Yes, there's watches. So normally if you think of like an Air Force One, it has a little metal tag on that front lace. Yeah. This has watches. Now, are these watches... Gold watches. Are, are these fake watches? Are they real? What are they? Uh, the pro- oh, so it looks like a customized, and it says me at the top with Jordan 23 on it. Um, it looks like, just like kind of a, a fake watch, watch face. It doesn't look like so a real watch. So, so the face is attached to the laces. Atta- yes, attached to the bottom of the laces. It has writing going around the side. So That's could, it. What you could do is you can just take the... You can take the watch, it's the face itself off the laces, then get a band for it, right? No. No, it's still, It doesn't look like, because it looks like it's look threaded like it. yeah. with the laces, but I mean, oh. they, they, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised, because they're going so crazy nowadays with shoes, that they might put in, like, a... Detachable. Thing. A detachable, uh, what do you call it? A uh, band. You right. can, like, attach to the watch or something like that, but right. crazy shoes, the, the first one's green with, like, a blue and a light blue on it, and then the other shoe's orange with like a pink on it what do you which one do you like more i mean it, you're getting both it's not like it's like one oh, it's, this is one oh, set one this set. is one set okay see i don't like how it's like crazy like you don't like the mix mismatch no, no, I don't. i'm not a huge fan of the mismatch when i am it kind of has to be like a black you know and who white did the, like a very tonal you know who did the mismatch in converse with stone stone went the black and then the white yes so, do you like that do you have you ever seen that before see i've never seen it before i bought both the Comme des garçon uh chuck 70s the converse mm-hmm. and planning to mismatch like that tried it on in my house in front of the mirror and absolutely hated it i was like you i cannot go out in public like this stone but then i thought the stone pulled it off he pulled it off better than i thought you know, at i first looked when i, was I saw like, it i didn't really like it too much i thought it was really dumb yeah and then i guess like i guess it looks better on him than it would be me that's what i, mean. I thought i in overall i don't love it but i thought it looked better on him than when i tried it out in front of the mirror myself right. um so mismatch yeah i don't know but regardless there's a lot of money to be made on these which i always love and then we have the air max 90 uh camo wob to tie it up so tinker designed these everyone knows tinker uh, combine the Air Max 90 with ACG colorways. So ACG is a line that Nike does. It's mostly like a mountain hiking style of a uh, boot and shoe. Mm, interesting. Uh, the camel, the col- the usual cam- a colorway is called Moab. So they just combined it, Moab, Camoab. Um, this is a crazy looking pair of shoes. Hey, it's like a tan with a, almost a pink reddish and what's that a pink suede on it. Yeah, it is a suede. I was going to say, what's the style? It's like a suede, and then I'm trying to get the better picture to show you, Taylor. It has some blue in it, and then it has uh, almost like a it looks like map. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, what the word like I'm looking it's got for. It's thin thread, it looks like. Threading. It looks like a thin... It almost looks like um, like a weird like canvas. Like a mountainscape. Something like that. Kind of. Uh, so crazy looking shoe. Obviously, this is the first colorway in this model or any Nike model that they've released. Uh, so it should resell well, retailing at one forty. Probably resell one fifty to two hundred. So a couple bucks may be made there, I but smaller like sizes it. you'll be able to make a lot of money. I like it a lot. I, I like it a lot really too. Nice. I've never been. I I had my first Air Max when I was like. I've never had an Air Max. That's like the one of shoe I've people, never had. I know. Really? Of all people, I've I never had, had an Air Max. I'm in the market. I'm just waiting I to find a colorway I really basic like. Basic white and black pair Air Max Ooh, when I was clean. probably like. 
13. Okay. And that was the last time I had Air Max. I like Air Max. I like those. I like the style. They're really I, nice. I, I, I get... You know me. I'm, I have a very specific style. Of shoes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of like. That. I could see. I could see this being like right up your alley with the colors yeah. and everything. Yeah, I kind of like that. And then I got one more in here. We'll throw in quick. The Air Max 90 Premium Platinum Crimson Bright Purple. Oh, remember that one we we saw the, the the mixed color one? Yes, that one was such a nice one too. Yes, yes. Uh, the one that I, I had at hand for a little while, right? The yes. Biotech. Yeah, yes. with the crazy that, rainbow colors. You saw that one? I sold those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but we have one more release in the 15th, so Friday, I believe, 150. It's a, it's a premium, so it's going to be the best quality uh, materials. But this is just like a very nice leather, flat, coming in like a pink and orange colorway. Too bright for me. Too bright for you? Yeah. I agree. Too bright. There's some shoes that I like that are bright, but that one's just, I guess, too much for me. Yeah, but this Air Max 90 Camo Lob. Very nice. Beautiful. I might try to get a pair of those, actually. Very nice. Does it just own? Don't, yeah. Oh. I like those. This looks like a nice color shoe. And right. I haven't I haven't had any Air Maxes, but from everything yeah. I hear, I hear it's the so funny. You, get, you have you have off whites and you Travis Scott Jordan, but, <laughs> but you not the Air Maxes, on a, a not the simples, bro. I mean, I like, see, like I don't have anything simple in Nike, like in right. Adidas. I got like a billion Ultra Boosts. Right. All right, so that's our show. Any thoughts? Great show. Great show. A lot. We went over a lot actually. So next episode will be dropping on Friday. You know, we're, we're a little late to the game on this one on Wednesday. We'll be driving today, but on Friday we're gonna get on. Our boy Jake Asman. He hasn't been on in a little while. The reason we're having him on is one, covers the Astros to see his first hand account of what's going on, see if anything new he's picked up and around the around the area on the radio, and see if he can pick up anything. That's really interesting. And he went to Ithaca. So Cortland Ithaca. Cortland Cortica game is this Saturday. Liam went to Cortland. Oh Stone went to Cortland. Stone went to Cortland. We have a lot of friends that have gone to Cortland. And wanted to hear his thoughts on his experience going to the games. If he covered any of the games, most likely he yeah, did. He definitely, I would think definitely he did. Definitely did. And uh, just to see what he thinks. Because, you know what? Liam wants to get his first-hand account. And it's the biggest little game in the country. The biggest little game in the country. So, any last words? No last words. Minus uh, screw the Astros. That's right. Cha-ching. The assholes. The assholes or the asterisks. Bingo. <laughs> All right. That's our show. We'll be back on Friday. Peace.